0: It's not unusual to find plenty of wine caves and wine cellars in wine country. What is unusual is discovering a sophisticated broadcast facility inside these well-protected and often top-secret chambers. But maybe it really isn't that surprising that America's number one wine broadcast originates from the soul of wine country. And it is our great privilege to do all we can to inspire you. If you drink wine simply because, well, it's a drink, we've got our work cut out. For literally thousands of years, wine has fueled celebrations, ended conflicts, and provided the ultimate connection between one human being and another. It makes food taste better, lifts spirits, sparks our imagination, and beckons us to slow down and love life. If that all sounds good to you, you're in the right place. So sit back, Clear your head, put any worries you have on hold, and join us as we go in search of this week's Grape Encounter. But be warned, we speak a much different language than what you typically experience in most wine-centric environments. But you didn't come here because you're ordinary, did you? Good, because your host, David Wilson, is here to take you far, far away from the beaten path. Here's David.
1: So, in our last episode of Grape Encounters Radio, I was I was moaning about the fact that I had to cancel a long-anticipated trip to Australia. And really looking forward to that trip, but unfortunately, you can't get there from here, or basically, you can't get there from any place. But there's another place that, if you live in the U.S., you can get to, and it is probably one of the most underappreciated wine regions, certainly in America, maybe on the planet. They make some amazing wines there, just um, incredible wines and a lot of the juice. And the grapes goes to other regions and gets mixed in with uh, their wines, but we don't talk about that very much. They produce a whole lot of wine and there's something else that's special about this place. I'm not going to tell you what I'm talking about just yet. The thing that's special is they've been there for a really long time. In California, they are a very high production region, but they have some of the oldest grapevines that you will find in North America. And those grapevines produce amazing wines. The production isn't as great as a younger vine, but... Because of that, there is some threat that is causing those vines to disappear little by little. Uh, We don't want that to happen. And somebody who is uh, deeply involved in trying to preserve the Lodi old vines is the executive director of the Lodi Wine Grape Commission. It is uh, Stuart Spencer. Hey,
2: Stuart, welcome. Uh, Thank you, David. I'm happy to be here with you. Did I state all of that accurately, do you think? Yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty close to accurate. You are good. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, let's talk up first of all about where is Lodi? We're talking to people all over the country right now, and I know a lot of people are going Lodi. What, what is that? I know it's a it's a lyric out of a Creedence Clearwater song, right? <laughs> you are stuck in Lodi. Lodi is a good place to get stuck in. I think it's just above uh, Stockton. It's uh, below Sacramento and just a little east and uh, east of san francisco right and just real close to the mountains
2: yeah yeah we're directly east of san francisco it's about an hour and a half drive into the city and uh, just to the uh, southwest of uh, lake tahoe
1: how long does it take to get up to lake tahoe from where you are it's
2: probably about two hours
1: yeah And that's, by the way, one of the most beautiful places on Earth. So if you want to come and visit the wineries in Lodi and then work your way up to uh, Lake Tahoe, that's a really, really good trip. And you can actually do that while you are in COVID hell. Let's talk about the size of the region, the number of winemakers that you have there and especially what you're growing, because you definitely have your specialties. I'd really love to talk about what's available.
2: Uh, Lodi is a sin- significant part of the California wine industry. I mean, we grow about 20% of the, the grapes. Uh, we produce Wait, all hold the it, leading hold it, hold it, hold it,
1: hold it, hold it, hold it. 20% of the grapes in California come from Lodi that's right Dave I can't even I can't even fathom that that's huge
2: yeah and and that includes all the major varieties uh Cabernet Sauvignon Chardonnay um Merlot Sauvignon Blanc but one of the things Lodi has really grown to be known for is our old own rooted Lodi Zinfandel and uh we have a couple thousand acres of these old vineyards still in Lodi today that are making incredible wines and uh, and we're seeking out. One of the other things that really makes it interesting here, too, is, is the diversity of varieties. There are over 100 varieties in production today. Uh, all sorts of interesting varieties and wines um, for the guests or the customer to experience.
1: Wow. So let's let's talk about those. The climate is, uh, I think, fairly unique in Lodi. How does it differ climate-wise from, say, Napa and Sonoma? And how far away is, is the Napa Valley from Lodi?
2: It's about an hour and 15-minute drive to the Napa. Um, and I think, you know, climate-wise, it, it's, there's a lot of similarities from the mid-Napa Valley to, to Lodi. And, uh, and, and similar with Sonoma. I think one of the things that really defines us from a climate is our location to the San Francisco Bay and the Delta. And so we have what's known around here as the Delta breezes. So during the growing season, uh, we get these cool breezes that come off the, the Pacific ocean across the San Francisco Bay and directly on the Lodi region. I think, what people don't realize is both Sacramento to the north of us and Stockton to the south are both inland seaports, which you have large ocean-going vessels come all the way up inland. Yeah. And we're situated right there. And so we definitely get this this marine influence that really moderates the temperatures in the region.
1: And the, the delta, the Sacramento, I guess they call it the Sacramento
2: River Delta, does that reach all the way up to Lodi? Yeah, it does. It's basically on the, the outskirts of the western side of, of the Lodi area. All the major rivers, you know, feeding the delta, the Sacramento River to the north and the San Joaquin River from the south meet up to the west of us here. Um, but then we have several rivers coming through the Lodi area, the Calaveras in the south, McCollum, which goes right through the city of Lodi, and the Cosumnes River uh, to the north of us, um, the city of Lodi that all transect the region.
1: One of the things that we got to do as kids, my father would take us to the Sacramento Delta and rent a houseboat. And it was just, that was really, really magical because you you didn't know you were in California. It's just water everywhere and you can travel a great distance. But something that I I learned a couple of years ago when I was up in your area was that there are, are a lot of wineries that are right off of some of those rivers. And you can conceivably, I think, get a houseboat and do some wine
2: touring that way. Is that possible? Um, there are some the wineries out in the 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 Clarksburg area, which yeah, is just, Clarksburg. Uh, the, that could be possible, but you know, most of us would require a little bit of a, a drive in uh, into town or into the the vineyards to go wine tasting.
1: I'll just throw my scooter on the houseboat. Okay, (laughs) so we're going to have to take a commercial break in just a second, but what we're going to talk about when we come back is Save the Old. It's a wonderful campaign. You've got a, a dedicated website to it. People hear the term old vines a lot, and they see it on bottles, but do you think that people really
2: understand the significance of those? I don't think they really do until they get really close and look into it, and and that's what we're trying to do with this effort is is get people to better appreciate the value of these old vineyards.
1: And there's how many acres left of vines that are considered to be old vines? Is it 100 years, by the way, that a vine has to be? to be considered an
2: old vine, or what is the cutoff for that? There's no legal definition. What's generally accepted here in California is 50 years of age. Oh, okay. Most vines and vineyards, after about 25 to 30 years, production will start to decline. And so at that point, you know, you tend to remove them. And so when you're looking at 50 to 100-year-old vineyards, the production has definitely decreased.
1: But there are some varietals where the grapes that come off of those vines and the wines that are made from those grapes are just outstanding. And that—that that is, in fact, I think one of the reasons why we'd love to be able to preserve as many of those vines as we can. All right. Well, listen, we're going to have to take a quick break uh, talking to Stuart Spencer. He is the executive director of the Lodi Wine Grape Commission. And uh, he's one of the folks that is behind the Save the old campaign that I just became aware of just a, a few days ago, and I got really excited about it and had to have Stewart on the show. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Many wine enthusiasts describe wine as a kind of time machine that can transport you to the place and time it was created without leaving home. Whether you're sipping a Sangiovese from Italy or a German Riesling, tasting is traveling. That being said, Total Wine & More is like the world's biggest airport. With more than 8,000 wines from every corner of the world in their stores, you can be incredibly adventurous and savor every journey. Plus, you can do all of your shopping online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order at your local store or curbside for the ultimate in safe shopping. There's always more in store at Total Wine & More.
0: free trade chocolate-covered walnuts. And for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com.
1: Summer is here, invigorating our state of mind and sparking desires for things that complement our playful mood. Yep, our barbecues are already working overtime, cranking out slabs of baby backs that pair perfectly with light, crisp summer sippers. And if you need a little inspiration, check out the summer wine list that no one can resist. It's Total Wine & More's Top 12 Summer Wines, featuring a truly eclectic cross-section of wines all under $20 and many under $10. Plus, Total Wine & More is offering summer wine bundles that save you up to $24 on a variety pack of wine. And now that we've all gotten into curbside buying, you can order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order in the store or just outside for a contactless experience. The best lineup of super low-priced summer wines is just a click away at TotalWine.com. thinking if you're a baby boomer and somebody mentions the name of the town Lodi to you, you probably immediately go to the Creedence Clearwater song that has the lyric, Oh Lord, stuck in Lodi. Uh, Maybe that's how it was way back when. I guess that would probably be the early 70s, I'm guessing. But a lot has changed and Lodi has become really a crown jewel in the California uh, wine collection. And it's, uh, it's a wonderful region. It's producing terrific wines. Oh my gosh, the Zinfandels that come from there are just extraordinary. Part of the reason is the old vines, they really try to keep as many of those vines producing as much as they can. They don't produce the bulk that the younger vines do, but the grapes that they do produce are stunning. And we're talking about that and more with the executive director of the Lodi Wine Grape Commission, He's Stuart Spencer. And Stuart, you've been involved with the commission for a, a way long time, right?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, um, I've been here 21 years, a little over 21 years,
1: Now, there's something that I failed to mention about you, and that is the fact that you also have your own label as well. So you're not just a suit. (laughs) You're a guy who gets his his fingernails purple, right? And I think, if I'm not mistaken, you're probably right in Harvest right now.
2: That is correct. In fact, I was picking grapes this morning and I kind of grew up in the business, you know, I was always a cheap and expensive labor as a kid, and <laughs> right, that's, yeah. how I learned, <laughs> right. that's how I learned to grow grapes and make wine, and and, uh, and I love it, and I, I think there's something really special here that helped tell the world about. So what generation of winemaking are you? I'm actually second generation. Second generation. My, yeah, my family's been farming in California since the 1800s, but... We're a second-generation winemaker. My dad started our family winery and uh, planted the vineyards and and started making wine, and and then I took over when he passed away.
1: You know, that's a really interesting thing that happened in your area. I remember hearing that story when I was uh, doing some interviews not far from you. We're talking about big farming country, and for the longest time, they farmed practically everything but grapes. At what point did the farmers— in your area start seeing the benefit of switching over to grapes?
2: Well, honestly, grapes have been a part of the landscape from the very beginning when people first came to California and, and Lodi. What is different is, is the mix of crops. They've always farmed other things as well. Right. I mean, cherries are a part of the area. Um, some of the nut crops are part of the area. We have a lot of dairies in the area as well. Uh, you know, back in the early days, in the 1800s, they were farming watermelons here, and, and it was like the watermelon capital of the world for a while. Wow. But it's still, you know. Wine grapes, I mean, we had had our first Lodi Grape Festival was celebrated in 1907, and they had 20,000 people came to Lodi in 1907 to celebrate
1: Oh, hold hold it. In 1907, 20,000 people come to Lodi for a grape celebration. Now, are we talking about wine
2: grapes, or were there table grapes involved as well? It, it was a mixture, and in, in fact, they actually had a Queen Zinfandel that year too, and, and, a and Queen uh, Zinfandel, and right. honored one of the local ladies as the Queen of Zinfandel. And so <laughs> Zinfandel was always part of the landscape, as was Flame Toquet's, which were a packing grape, and as well as a bunch of other grapes who were packed. I think it's important to note that at that time frame, most of the population in the U.S. was on the East Coast, and so a lot of grapes were packed and shipped back east for people to make homemade wine out of back there. And the, the European immigrants had a tradition of doing that. And so hit long history of, of packing and shipping grapes from the area.
1: And by the time that Prohibition came along, I'm guessing
2: there's quite a lot of grape vines in the, in the ground. What happened then? The interesting thing for Lodi is that our vineyard acreage actually expanded during Prohibition because we had developed the routes to market shipping packed grapes. And so... There were thousands of rail cars that left here every August, September, October destined for East Coast markets uh, with fresh-packed Lodi grapes. Were these
1: grapes that would eventually be turned into wine? Was there something kind of sneaky going on?
2: And, well, it was. Uh, you were allowed to make up to 200 gallons um, for home consumption during Prohibition, and Lodi was perfectly positioned to take advantage of that. Uh, and so you had a lot of wine grapes that were being shipped back to these European immigrants that liked their wine. And (laughs) uh, you had varieties like Zinfandel. Um, Kerrigan was a variety that was actually planted during the the 1920s uh, because it packed and shipped well. Alicante Boucher was another variety that was packed and shipped a lot during that time frame. So it was definitely being made into wine. And, and one of the jokes is is that it, it, some of the grapes went with instructions on how not to make wine. <laughs> right. that was, uh, I, I've heard
1: stories about that. They would put on the on the crates, they would say things like, do not crush and add yeast <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> they were actually giving the the directions by telling you what not to do. <laughs> exactly. That's that's really funny. Anyway, oh, you mentioned a, a varietal, by the way, and I was curious as to how much of it you grow up there, the Alicante Boucher. It's not something that uh, most people would be familiar with, but it is a grape that is used a lot to offer, you know, create... You know, more density and more flavor in other wines. Do you make it also as a single varietal wine or is it usually for blending?
2: I actually do make one in a very small production personally. Um, most of it is blended. And the interesting thing with Alicante Boucher is it is one of the few red fleshed grapes. Most grapes have white flesh and all the right. color coming in. Wow, from the yeah. Skin. But Alicante is a red flesh grape, and so it, you know, really contributes this intense color to its finished wines or as a blending component.
1: So tell me if I've got this correct. There is a product out there that is used by some winemakers, although I'm not fond of, of this, called Mega Purple. And I believe it's made from Alicante Boucher.
2: I'm aware of the product but I don't think it's from Alicante but it's there's other other grapes specifically grown for those products and and they are coloring products as well as you know sweetening products. Yeah and by the by, by, by the
1: way I'm not I'm not uh, dissing the Alicante Boucher because I've had it as a single varietal. It's a great grape. It's just it's a robust grape. Let's just call it that. And uh, yes. it can help other um wines that are a little on the wimpy side. It can it's like uh, Popeye eating uh, opening a can of spinach. <laughs> That's all
2: I've got There's my metaphor. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the interesting thing with the variety is a lot of them were often interplanted in some of these old Infidel vineyards throughout California and so they were you know, put in there to add color to the finished wine and kind of beef them up, so to speak.
1: Okay. And I want to talk more about Zinfandel because it's it's actually a wine that for a long time was misunderstood. And I'll explain why in just a second, but we got to take a quick break now. Uh, we're talking to Stuart Spencer, the executive director of the Lodi Wine Grape Commission. And... Uh, I'll also uh, give you the address when we come back for this special campaign, Save the Old. Oh, what the heck. It's SaveTheOld.com. Just go there. It's a r- really, really beautiful site, and I think will you'll be stunned when you see the, the vines and the root structure of, of these very, very old grapevines. Really cool. So uh, check that out. And we will be back with Grape Encounters in just one moment.
0: like to talk about wine
1: did you know that there's a lot more going on in the world of grape encounters than what you hear each week on the radio show if your answer is no it means that you're not as plugged into our wild wacky and wonderful world of wine but we can fix that right now i really want to share a lot more with you than what we're able to do during the weekly show like wine recommendations, interesting ways you can play with your wine, information about upcoming wine happenings, and even recipes I've developed just for you. There are two things you can do to get plugged in. First, join the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook. Make sure it's the group page. Or you can sign up for our mailing list at grapeencounters.com. In coming weeks, I'll be doing giveaways, offering free online parties exclusively for you, and a lot more. Please, Don't miss out. Connect with me on Facebook or at GrapeEncounters.com.
0: Words can be very confusing. When you're crazy, people say that you're nuts. But what if you're crazy about nuts? Well, that doesn't mean that you should be sent to the funny farm. It means that you should be sent to the farm of M.M. Organics, the producers of organic heirloom walnuts and walnut products that are so incomparably unique and delicious, other nuts will be reduced to wallflowers. Whoops! There we go with those crazy meanings of words again. After all, if being a wallflower means disappearing into the background, then why does being a walnut from M.M. Organics mean standing out from the rest? Confused? Well, you won't be... When you discover the glorious deliciousness of walnut halves, baking pieces, fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, and other scrumptious walnut products from MM Organics. Learn more and order yours at MMorganics.com, where you'll also find our utterly irresistible two horse Portuguese dessert wine that everyone goes nuts for. Get crazy at MMorganics.com. We're back with more grape encounters. Hey, please do us an enormous favor and like us on Facebook. It's the very best way to learn about other opportunities that we may not share on the broadcast. Also, join our mailing list on GrapeEncounters.com. Listeners on our contact list receive some exclusive opportunities. Become an insider. Enough said. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson
1: back with grape encounters radio and really uh, i'm really really excited to have on today's guest Stuart spencer who is the executive director of the lodi wine grape commission an organization that he's been involved with for decades and we'll talk about your vineyard for a moment your label i should say now do you have a tasting
2: room that people can go to now uh yeah we do um you know we've been reopened for covid i think um most of the tasting rooms here in Lodi now, it's it's by appointment to a great extent, but they are accepting drop-ins, and it's all seated tasting, you know, and staff's wearing masks, so they're doing all the steps to make it a safe, comfortable experience for the guests.
1: You know, one of the things that's kind of interesting about how uh, tasting rooms have adapted to COVID is that they are largely by appointment, and they really, I think, are able to pay a lot more attention to the customer because they don't have a bunch of people that are crammed in trying to get to the front of the, the bar where the wines are being poured. So it's a much more laid back experience and a much more personalized experience. And if you can get past the, oops, I got to wear a mask for part of the time, you'll have a great experience that you may not have had eight or 10 months ago. It's it's really different, don't you think?
2: Yeah, I think the experience is evolving a lot right now, and uh, I think for the most part, to the better. And I think the customers really enjoying these more seated, kind of intimate experiences that uh, they're getting to learn about the wines and property and the winery and the vineyards, and, and doing it in a much more comfortable fashion, rather than trying to fight their way up to a bar um, and not learn not much about the wines of the place either.
1: Yeah, I frankly got to tell you, I hate that experience. I hate being third in line in a tasting room and everybody's kind of pushing and shoving. And there's one person up there who's trying to impress his new significant other and is engaged in banter that um, he probably really doesn't care that much about. But what the heck? That's just my opinion. (laughs) And I'm not changing it. But uh, Lodi, I'm telling you is a place that you really, really ought to consider going to. And you can go right now. There's there's nothing holding you back. There are some of the most likable, wonderful winemaking folk in Lodi that you're ever going to meet. It is – we're talking down home, and it's just a, a wonderful place to visit. There's so many places that you can go that you can springboard to. When you go to Lodi, again, not the least of which is, uh, you know, some places like Lake Tahoe or the Sacramento River Delta. It's just a a wonderful, wonderful part of California that does not get the attention that it deserves. But, uh, Stuart, we are uh, changing that right now. And I'm sorry that I don't spend as much time talking about Lodi as I probably should. So I hope you'll accept my apology.
2: No no worries. Um, We're happy you're talking about us today. Okay, so t- let's talk
1: about the campaign, Save the Old. Are most of those old vines Zinfandel,
2: or are there others that we should talk about as well? Uh, most of them are Zinfandel, but there are a number of old Kerrigan vineyards, and uh, and then a little bit of Cinso, which is a, another interesting variety. Yeah, actually a
1: delicious variety that people, I think, are really shocked when they tasted. That's one of those wines that I... I really strongly recommend if you haven't had it, go for it because it's really terrific. But most vines, Stuart, they will not age well like uh, the Zinfandel vines. And so there's just a handful, I guess, that can go 100 years plus. What are the oldest vines that you have in the area? Do
2: you know? I believe it is uh, 1886, and it's uh, Jesse's Grove um, Zinfandel Vineyard they have out there that they call Royal Tea. And uh, it, it's important to note, though, that vines live to 100 years for several reasons. One is that they're healthy and they can survive. But the second thing is that, you know, being able to reproduce a sustainable crop that you can actually make money at it as a farmer. And so uh, that is the challenge today is, is the cost of farming and, and land has gotten more expensive here in California how do we keep these vines one of the things that
1: it bothers me actually is that when i see a bottle of of old vine zinfandel let's say the price is not outrageous and i kind of think it should be the yield off of those vines is is quite a bit less so it's a very special item. I, th- I think you guys need to raise your prices. <laughs> and I'm, just, I'm just saying. <laughs>
2: then then, nobody, yeah, well, then no, nobody will be concerned about taking out the old vines. If we could find more of our vineyards, old Zinfandel vineyards going into $25 bottles of wine, that's going to keep those vines in the ground. And uh, we can make very approachable delicious wines at that price point.
1: Tell us what the difference is taste-wise, experience-wise, with an old vine, Zinfandel, versus uh, something that's come off of younger vines.
2: Well, to me, I mean, there's there's several things. I mean, first, it's, they're kind of a, a living piece of history when you're, you're looking at vines that were here in the 1800s. Uh, but wow. secondly, you know, an older vineyard is kind of much more self-regulating, in that its production has decreased to a point where it's producing a smaller crop, but more concentrated crop and flavors. And third, um, you know, it's acclimated to its environmental surroundings. And so, you know, this acclimation over decades and 100 years really produces nice, balanced fruit year in and year out. And I think those qualities are part of what makes Old Vines special.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. And I think that people, average consumers will see the term old vine, which I think is something that gives winemakers bragging rights and should be on the bottle, but they don't think they really totally comprehend what's in that bottle and how significant it is, and also the fact that it is living history and really something that is to be um, really appreciated and relished. I love those wines, and given the choice between drinking an old vine zin and one that isn't, I would probably go for the old vine zin just for the fun of it. Ah, but anyway, uh, but you got to get the price up.
2: We're working on it.
1: So let's talk about the production on those vines for a second. An average vineyard that grows Zinfandel, and we're talking about vines that are not old vines, what would the production typically be? How many tons per acre would you get off of that property?
2: Well, you could probably, depending on the trellising system and everything you have in place, but it could probably go seven to eight tons to the acre.
1: With the old vines, how much are we talking?
2: Well, they're probably in that two to three tons to the acre range. And you know what's really
1: funny about that is there there are some really outstanding regions that make really terrific wines, and they get off of just their regular vineyards that are not old vines. They get three tons per acre or four tons per acre and are per- perfectly happy with that.
2: All vineyards and yields are really subject to the place they're grown, and, and so a crop load in one area is going to be different than in another area, but it's, it's what's really appropriate for that vineyard site and finding that right balance is the key.
1: Yeah. Now, as you go down the state of California, the further you go down, the higher the yields are. But those grapes are used more for bulk wine and, um, you know, wines that are going to be sold at, you know, $5 a bottle. All right. Well, listen, I want to just give people a little bit more information about what a – trip to Lodi looks like. So if you don't mind hanging with me, Stuart, for just a couple more minutes, I want to just talk about the Lodi wine experience and and what people can do right now that you don't have to wait on and what the winemakers, uh, the vintners are doing to offer a safe experience there and what some of the things are that you can do when you're in Lodi and should you stay in Lodi or should you stay someplace else? So I've got just those uh, very important questions when we return with Grape Encounters Radio and my guest, Stuart Spencer, the executive director of the Lodi Wine Grape Commission. As summer turns to fall, leaves and wardrobes aren't the only thing that change color. This is the time of year when wine preferences tend to darken up. Cold crisp whites are already making way for fall favorites like Pinot Noir and luscious California Zin. Tropically tinted New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs won't migrate south just yet, and rosés will also remain resilient, well into turkey time. But folks like me who've enjoyed lighter fare in the backyard all summer will venture out and take a cab almost everywhere we go. Now there's no doubt about this fall phenomenon. It's a time when wine enthusiasts get more adventurous and try things outside of their comfort zone. And if your comfort zone could use a little reimagination, let the experts at Total Wine & More show you just how much adventure there is to discover among their inventory of 8,000 or more wines in every store. You can still enjoy their legendary customer experience in-store or make an evening of exploring the world of wine from the comfort of your cozy couch load up your shopping cart, stop by the store, and Total Wine will rush your order to curbside. Once you immerse yourself into an online Total Wine discovery mission, you'll quickly fall in love with the incomparable wines you can access so easily and affordably. See what I mean at TotalWine.com. If you're a frequent Grape Encounters radio listener, you know that our show is all about inclusiveness. For far too long, wine consumers have felt left out. Simply because a small minority of, well, let's call them out, wine snobs have dominated the conversation. For 12 years, it's been my mission to give you, the wine enthusiasts that just want to have fun, a front row seat to everything that's cool about wine. And while we have a very intimate thing going on here, I've been thinking that we can take things where no radio or TV program has gone before. And so beginning next week, I'm inviting you and your friends to get together with me for a private online party. This isn't a big streaming free-for-all event. It's you, me, and your guests. You decide what you want to talk about, we'll set a time, then it's party time. So email me using the contact form at grapeencounters.com. Tell me a little bit about how we can make this fun for you, and I'll respond to as many requests as I can. Just drop me a note at grapeencounters.com. Even though I spend almost every waking hour trying to track down all things wine, total wine and more is impossible to keep up with. That's because they have a team of experts constantly searching every corner of the world for amazing wines priced so you can enjoy them on any occasion, like tomorrow. They're always busy forging relationships with the best producers so that they're able to provide exceptional wines that are exciting and new to you at incredible savings. And of course, your faves will be there too new discoveries, must-have favorites, and more than 8,000 choices to explore online with your handy device while you soak up some shade. Visit Total Wine and More in person, or if you prefer a contactless experience, order online at TotalWine.com and pick up your order in the store or curbside. And for awesome summer wines, all under $20 and many under 10 be sure to check out their summer wines list at TotalWine.com. So I was moaning at the beginning of the show that I wasn't able to act upon my commitment to take off and spend. I was going to spend a month in Australia and also New Zealand, but I got to stay in North America. And after this conversation, I'm absolutely, totally convinced that I got to get in the car. It's not that far for me, and head up, uh, head north, northeast actually, and go spend some time in Lodi because it's not just about the grapes there and the wines there. It's it's really nicely positioned for you to have all kinds of wine-centric experiences and experiences that are just fun. If you're a wine-loving person, I've got on Stuart Spencer. He's the executive director of Lodi's Wine Grape Commission. So, Stuart, talk about Lodi, the town, and you know where would people stay when they go up there? And tell us some of the things that people can do once they're there that are not necessarily wine experiences? Uh,
2: Certainly. I mean, I think it's important to note that there are like 85 wineries in the area, and and many of them are offering tasting experiences now, and they are reopened after COVID. But, you know, in addition to that, um, Lodi's got some fabulous places to stay, Um, the beautiful Wine and Roses Hotel. There's RV parks for those that are into RVing. Um, You know, there's regular hotels and stuff like that to stay at. The other, you know, outdoor activities are pretty popular around here. Uh, There's kayaking along the McCalmy River. Uh, The Cosumnes River is a big nature preserve with hiking trails. A lot of people like to cycle in the area. It's a big, big thing these days. And then we've got a cute downtown with, you know, about a dozen tasting rooms and shops and, and restaurants as well.
1: So much fun. I I just love places like this that aren't totally about wine because, you know, so many of these regions develop a lifestyle that goes beyond wine that's very complimentary and you can have so much fun. And you mentioned RVs. There's just been a surge of people renting RVs and going off on adventures like what we're talking about here because they feel it's a lot safer than, you know, flying in a plane or crowding in with other people. But one of the things that I can recommend as we talk about this is if you can find your way to, say, Sacramento or Stockton, there's a, probably a very good chance that you'll be able to find an RV rental place in, you know, one of the bigger towns that are outside of. Lodi. And then you could just take off and explore the Lodi region and, you know, go into Nevada if you'd like to explore the Sierra Nevadas. Of course, as we get uh, later into the season, we've got this thing called snow that happens. And that's probably not the best thing to drive an RV around in. But I'm guessing, Stuart, that you do see a lot of RV uh, traffic in the area.
2: Uh, Yeah, we do a lot. I mean, I think the points you just made are are very valid. But also, I mean, we sit between I-5 and Highway 99, which are very big north-south travel routes. And, you know, there's a lot of people from Washington, Oregon that travel to Arizona for the winter and and often stop in Lodi and and vice versa. So um, RVs are a big part of the tourism around here.
1: One of the things that uh, is becoming very popular, there's a company called Harvest Host. And I don't know how many affiliates they have in Lodi, but they, they really are building this large group of wineries and also can be farms and other things. And you can actually, for, you pay a fee and it's like around 50 bucks, let's say, and then you're good. And then you can actually park at the vineyard and stay overnight. And I'm guessing there's probably some participating in the Lodi area because I found that they, have these sites everywhere, but how fun is that? You don't even have to go to an RV park. The vineyard is all set up for you. It's something to explore, and I can't can't speak for the Lodi region, but I'm guessing there are opportunities like that as well. Um, I think there are. Just uh, take this home, Stuart. For people who want to visit the region, are there certain resources online that you can guide people to uh, where they can learn (laughs) more about uh, putting together uh, a journey to Lodi?
2: Yeah, well, I would encourage everyone to definitely start at our website, which is LodiWine.com. dot com, and uh, and if they want to learn more about our old vine program, uh, the save the old. dot com, and then visit Lodi.com dot com is our tourism website. Um, the yeah. tourism bureau runs, and they have information on places to stay, VRBOs to rent, and, and all that kind of stuff as well.
1: Is there is there a lot of that uh, Airbnbs and VRBOs there?
2: Yeah, it's a, a huge growing category. You know, you can rent a house out in a vineyard and and, uh, and have it completely to yourself. And we're seeing more and those come unavailable.
1: That would be a lot of fun. And then if you want to get into river experiences uh, to go maybe boating or rafting, that sort of thing, how far away are we talking from the center of Lodi?
2: Um, not very far, actually. I mean, the, the the first marinas are about 15 minutes out. Highway 12. And so there's places there where you can rent um, boats to go out on the water and stuff like that. And you mentioned cycling, hiking as well? Um, Less so. I mean, there are a few of our properties, actually, uh, wineries that have beautiful kind of walking trails at them. Heritage Oak is one that you can, you know, walk down to the McCallie River and, and look about and stuff like that. All and right. then there's a few hiking trails at Lodi Lake Park as well, too.
1: Well, listen, it sounds like a wonderful time. And I think for people who are just chomping at the bit and really wanting to get out and about, Lodi is your place. It's something that I should have been talking about earlier on when we got into this COVID mess, because it's just a a cool laid-back place that I think you'll have a lot of fun and Most importantly, you're going to love the wines. They just do a great job. Stuart, I sure appreciate you being on and spending so much time with me, and I I hope you guys have a good rest of your year. Uh, You've been able to escape the fires and I guess getting a pretty good uh, harvest right now. So I wish you the very best and and thank you for putting together the Old Vine campaign. I think that's wonderful.
2: Uh, my pleasure and it was, it was a delight to be here and we welcome everyone to Lodi anytime. Alright, that's going to do it for Grape
1: Encounters today. Who knows, maybe next week we'll be up in
2: Lodi. I guarantee you, before the year is
1: up, we're going to Lodi, that's for sure. We'll talk to you here next week. This edition of Grape Encounters has been brought to you by Total Wine & More. When Total Wine & More challenged themselves to keep more than 8,000 wines on hand, they pioneered a consumer experience that 99.999% of the population would have thought was impossible. It was an undertaking that I still can't totally get my arms around today. But I've spent many hours of my personal time being that adult kid in a candy store, using my mouse to learn about their extremely affordable top 20 wines of the year, or learning eye-opening details about the iconic winemakers behind Total Wine's Legends of Wine collection. TotalWine.com is an online resource so rich with content, it's hard to imagine a more satisfying wine-related experience. Spend all the time you want at TotalWine.com or at your nearest store. Just make sure you're back here with me at the same time next week for another Grape Encounter. ¶¶